Throughout the coronavirus crisis, we'll be providing news, commentary and analysis every day in the Leader. Subscribe to make sure you don't miss any of it and tell your friends to use the hashtag The Leader Podcast on social media. Now, from the Evening Standard in London, this is The Leader. Hi, I'm David Marsland. What's it really like to self-isolate with coronavirus? Our skin hurt that much that even lying down, our, our back was just really sort of sore and, and wearing clothes would be uncomfortable. Chris Sumner's been fighting the infection for seven days so far in London. Also... Have a self-soothing plan, achievable goals that you can work on indoors. Deputy Features Editor Shannon Mahanty has advice for those who find themselves home alone. And theatres are starting to take their own decisions and it's putting a lot of them in a really difficult existential place. Like the closure announcement from the Elvic and from the Alcola was also a kind of a plea for donations. Arts editor Nancy Dunnant and deputy arts editor Jesse Thompson. Has everything been cancelled? Taken from the Evening Standard's editorial column, this is The Leader. For the whole thing, pick up the newspaper or head to standard.co.uk slash comment. In a moment, the truth about self-isolation. Please mind the gap between the train and the platforms. It's the height of morning rush hour and there's barely anyone on this DLR train making its way through London. Not even a cough above the noise of the electric engine. Many in London are already staying in. Businesses are closing doors. Others have decided to work from home without being told to do so. Few are going out. We're all learning about self-isolation, but what's that really like? Especially if you actually may have coronavirus. Chris Sumner knows he's been in self-isolation in Dalston since developing symptoms a week Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. And he joins me over Skype from his home now. Chris, when did you realise you might have coronavirus? So my wife, my wife was a day delayed. So I, I showed the symptoms so probably a day before her, and then we we had the exact same sort of symptoms and the same sort of, same different stages. The first bit was very very sort of congested and almost like a cold, and then very quickly went into feverish, 
Um, but that, that feverish and flu-like stage lasted for um, two to three days. And, you know, my wife's fever got to 41.1. Um, which was really sort of quite scary and quite dangerously high, um, and having to you know stick her in a in a bath you know with her with her ankles and and uh, in cold water and run cold water over her wrists. My temperature got to about thirty eight and a half or thirty nine at its max, and you know it was our skin hurt that much that you know even lying down our, our back was just really sort of sore and, and wearing clothes would be uncomfortable. We didn't really want to do anything. We lost our appetite for a couple of days. Um, wanted to just lie in bed and we just slept. And how long did that go on for then before you could kind of get back to some semblance of normality? Uh, I think, what are we on now, Monday? I think by, by Saturday we were starting to feel like we, you know, we could actually just be out, out of bed. And, yeah, we just, I think the last couple of days we've been up and around and we've, we've been able to, to eat more and, and um, it's just been turning to Netflix and Amazon and <laughs> watching back-to-back um, -back sort of series and films. Is that the kind of self-isolationist survival guide then, just get the tally on and go with it? I think yeah, we've we then we got pretty bored of it and we exhausted a lot of things and we'd seen so much on on that after a couple of days we turned to TikTok and we've been we've been making amusing videos with the dogs the last twenty four hours. How did you tell everyone and what kind of reactions did you get from people? Just just concerned really and and people just wanting to know what sort of symptoms I was having because they were then worried themselves. So. Last weekend, I was with my family, and um, my parents had then, after that, gone and seen my grandparents. So, you know, I, I was worried that then if, if I had been contagious at that point, but just before I was showing symptoms, could my grandparents or could my, you know, my parents be, be coming down with, this, with a similar thing? Does it make you feel a little bit responsible or even guilty, then, to have something like this and to know you may have been out completely unwittingly meeting with people? Yes, I think so. But you know, until you start showing symptoms, you have absolutely no idea. And until and, and unless you've come into contact with someone who calls you and says, "Listen, I've got symptoms. I saw you a few days ago," just to let you know, I could have been contagious. You know, the, and I don't think I don't feel guilty. You know, for for you know for for being out and about. The, you know, the beginning of the week, but. I think I would do, yeah, if, if I was showing any symptoms at all, I, I, I would definitely feel guilty for being out and about. And I'm still now, you know, I'm, I'm a week a week past um, showing my first symptoms and I'm feeling much better, but I'm, but I'm really going to keep, you know, keep inside for the next couple of days just to be sure. So Chris has his wife with him, but lots of people across the UK face the daunting prospect of self-isolation alone. Our deputy features editor, Shannon Mahanty, has been looking into that. And Shannon, there must be a real danger of loneliness for those going through this by themselves. Yeah, well, when I first started researching for the piece, I realised that 55% of Londoners already report to feeling lonely. And that's without the added kind of extra stress of not going to work, not seeing your colleagues, not being able to kind of move around the city freely. So... I think it is something that it's yeah worth thinking about as more people are asked to self-quarantine. So if you do find yourself in that situation, if you are by yourselves, what kind of advice can you give? So I think it actually is a perfect time to kind of do all those things that we hadn't got round to doing. So calling friends and relatives, checking in on them, maintaining interaction is still really important. And even if we can't kind of go to pubs and restaurants, we can still pick up a phone. There's loads of apps that help facilitate contact too. Uh, and I think it's also something you can be quite creative with. You know, I've had friends talking about 
having people around for dinner, but over FaceTime or, you know, watching box sets together um, and communicating digitally. So I think it's challenging, but there's kind of lots of creative ways around it. There must be, though, a temptation to just not get out of bed, really, wasn't there? How do you overcome that? Yeah, exactly. And I think it's really important to kind of keep having a routine, even if you are trying to stay within your four walls. So exercise is really important and there's ways to do that without going to a gym or going to a class. You know, there's apps that you can use and there's free workouts on YouTube. Um, and I think just getting out while, you know, it's still OK to, to go for walks and to get fresh air. So really making sure that you don't just stay in bed and interact with people. Yeah. And it's the length of time because we don't know for how long people may have to stay in their homes for. And if you think about it, there's only so much Netflix you can watch, really. <laughs> yeah, that uncertainty is is quite frightening. But one of the psychologists I spoke to for the piece, um, a lady called Dr. Elena Taroni, she talked about this idea of, um, I think she called it self-soothing, have a self-soothing plan. So she said you could think of kind of achievable goals that you can work on indoors so maybe there's a topic you you're interested in you want to learn more about or a new skill that you could learn you know I've got a friend who started taking up drawing and is finding that really calming so I think again yeah it's being creative with it and trying to find smart ways to use this increased time spent at home next the closure announcement from the Elvic and from the Alcola was also a kind of a plea for donations. Jesse Thompson and Nancy Durrant on the arts apocalypse. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. Even if you wanted to go out, would there be anywhere to go? Events all over the UK, all over the world are being cancelled. The arts are facing a coronavirus apocalypse and our editorial column says we must do everything we can to save them. The show must go on, runs the old cliché of Theatreland. But tragically for our artists, that's not the case now. London's theatres are going dark, concerts are being cancelled and performers laid off. We all understand why this is necessary. But that doesn't make it any less heartbreaking. Live shows are the beating sound of our city as they fall silent. We are losing something precious. The Arts Council will try to stop venues going bust, but we can help too. We could return refunds from cancelled shows, for instance, and keep buying tickets for future ones. Our artists need our loyalty, and we need things to enjoy again soon. With me now are Nancy Durrant, our arts editor, and deputy arts editor, Jesse Thompson. Nancy, has everything been cancelled? The Arcola closed, uh, I think, announced this morning that it was going to close. 
the old Vic's closing Endgame two weeks early. Young Vic is closing Nora early. The Finbrough, the Turbine, the park is closing. Things are dropping a bit like lemmings off a cliff at the moment. You know, anecdotally, people are seeing sort of sold out shows that just aren't full. Jesse, are you seeing this as well? It feels like some kind of arts Armageddon. It does. What's interesting is that um, the official line from the Society of London Theatre has been taking advice from the government that there's, there's no evidence that going to the theatre would put you at more risk of catching coronavirus but as Nancy says um, theatres are starting to take their own decisions and it's putting a lot of them in a really difficult existential place like the closure announcement from the Elvic and from the Alcola was also a kind of a plea for donations because they're put they're having to make really desperate decisions about public health versus their financial futures. In the short term you know actors not performing, not getting paid, they're going to be looking at, most of them will be looking at statutory sick pay, which is, I think, about £98 a week, which is not, you know, which is not going to work, Um, which I think is why the theatres are asking people to donate part of their refunds. But in the long term, my worry would be smaller venues. I mean, theatre is a very risky industry. You know, it's put on with a wig and a prayer. Um, And, uh, you know, a loss in ticket sales could be horribly damaging to the future of smaller theatre companies and smaller venues, uh, they won't have the kind of buffer that some of the big public venues will have. Even if you're getting Arts Council funding, and the Arts Council tends to, I think, expect you to have about three months um, running costs. But after that three months, if we're still in, you know, any kind of lockdown, what are they supposed to do? The other thing to add is that the Artemisia exhibition at the National Gallery has just been cancelled, which you know that these kinds of shows are years in the planning and um a lot of those paintings will have been loaned from italy and there are obviously logistic reasons for that but yeah they're postponing it basically i think for organizational and logistical reasons which essentially i think means they can't get the paintings out of italy so it's been you know no doubt at some point it will open but it will be hugely curtailed and it's not even just performers i think is it it's it's if you think about a movie that has is is not going to get made in the next you know maybe it was meant to start in may all of those people all of the people who work on that pretty much will be freelance you'll have your makeup artists you'll have your camera guys you'll have the lighting people you'll have you know costume everybody suddenly there's a six months job that's just disappeared just cinema i think about five billion dollars has been wiped off the global box office alone mainly because of china at this point and then you just look at the filter down and you think just thousands and thousands of people are completely without work sitting at home by yourself or you know with with your partner watching netflix is not that shared theater experience at all is it it's not the same thing and i wonder if that's gonna people are going to realise they missed that and if that's going to kind of hurt people on a kind of mental health aspect as well. I think so. I mean, I think, you know, the art is a way of expressing more than anything else, you know, and, and to enjoy it together and to discuss and consider the things and the issues and the ideas that come out of it. I don't think, you know, I don't think solely the fact that we can't go to the theatre or go and see a movie is going to completely destroy the mental health of the nation. I mean, you know, that would be somewhat to overstate it, but I do think that it it will make a big difference, actually. It's a social thing. It's something that you book and you look forward to it. And it's, you know, that's your way of switching off from lots of the horrible things that are going on in the world. And that's being taken away. Jesse, what are you going to miss 
over the summer? What were you going, oh, do you know what? That's going to be really good. Tons of things. I've just looked at my diary for next week and I'm supposed to be at a show pretty much every night. City of Angels is a big musical that's opening um, that everyone's been really excited about. We had an interview last week with Theo James in the paper. Um, Timothy Chalamet is uh, meant to be starring at the Old Vic next month, um, which has obviously just closed its show early. So there's huge question marks hanging over loads of things that we're all really excited about. Mm, I mean, even this week, The Seagull is supposed to open with Amelia Clark on Friday. You know, that was a huge thing. Nobody really knows whether the press night will go ahead. And that's The Leader. Subscribe through your podcast provider and give us a rating too. We're back tomorrow at 4pm.